A couple weeks ago on Wednesday night at Awana, I asked the boys and girls if they could have a superpower, what it would be. It was interesting, our array of answers. I don't know what mine would be, but I think if I had a choice, one of my superpowers, if I could have more than one, would be flying. I don't know about anybody else. Getting to do what Superman does looks pretty cool. I mean, I know we got a couple other superheroes that fly and stuff like that. I grew up with a trampoline, and with a trampoline, you get a little bit of that feeling of flying, right? And uh, I was pretty good at the trampoline as far as bouncing real high and doing flips backwards and forwards and all kinds of tricks and things like that. We even had a tree in my backyard that if you move the trampoline over under it, I could bounce up and literally disappear up into the tree when I grabbed on a branch and people would go, where did he go? You know, they thought the rapture happened or something and I went and they didn't. No, no, I just hung onto the tree. Well, I love jumping on trampolines, and a few years ago, John Mark had a birthday party at Urban Air, the trampoline park, and if you haven't been there, if you can imagine a room full of trampolines with big mats separating them so you can bounce from one to the other to the other to the other, and you can just bounce, and then some of them are in angles on the wall, and you can try to bounce off that and everything, so I'm doing what I do. I'm almost 50 at that point in time but I love to fly. I love bouncing around like a little kid. And because I got a little more weight on me than some of these kids, and because I've got experience trampolining, I am flying, man, trampoline to trampoline. And then I'm doing some flips and stuff like that. It was great until it wasn't. I was bouncing and I was going to do a front flip where I do like this with my arms and my body spins around it, you know. And I was like, yes. And I'd go to do that, and as I'm coming over from the flip, I see a small child coming towards me on my trampoline where I'm about to land. There's a thing that you can do where instead of bouncing back up, you kind of take the shock with your legs and you just stay real close to the mat. I did that, and my back immediately seized up. And I was like, on the ground like this. Have you ever had your back seize up? Anybody else? I mean, like, seize up and you can't move and it hurts so bad you don't know what you're going to do. So I'm laying on a trampoline with a child bouncing beside me. Every bounce the little child takes, my back is going, ah, ah, ah. And the kid kind of looks at me and I'm like, could you please go to the other room? Kid moves away and then I'm looking, where's John Mark? Where's his friends? Where's somebody to help me? I'm thinking if I call Melanie, she's not going to be happy with me. I'm not going to get any help from her, and besides, i got to get myself off this trampoline mat, and I can hardly move. It hurts so bad. So I lay there long enough, thanks to Jesus, children cleared out from around me. Maybe they thought I had the plague, or I died, or something, I don't know. Kind of rolled over, crawled over to this hard mat thing, and just laid there and prayed, Lord Jesus, take this pain away from me, forgive me for my stupidity, thinking that I could still bounce like I'm 10 years old, even though I'm almost 50 years old. And finally got up the ability to walk and kind of, you know, because it feels like it seizes up all the way across your back and got out of there. And of course, sometime I told my wife, she just shook her head at me and I won't tell you what she said. (laughs) Yeah. The reason I tell this story is this. There are times when there's pain in your life so severe, you just wish it could be gone. A physical pain, like if you've ever had a heart attack or a seized up back or a broken bone or torn something or a really bad cut, or a mental or emotional pain, 
that you've been so hurt by somebody in some situation repeatedly, you wish you could get away from it. And unforgiveness and bitterness is like that too. When we've been hurt so bad and we allow the seed of unforgiveness to grow into the bitter root of bitterness, and then all those other ugly, sinful things grow from that unforgiveness, we've got this nasty, noxious plant from that bitter root that's full of anger and hatred and gossip and a world of evil. And so this is our final sermon in our Bitter Root Sermon Series. The other ones you can go back and watch or listen to through our website, southviewbaptist.org. And we've seen that that bitter root does grow, even though Scripture says to us, see to it that no bitter root grows, Hebrews twelve fifteen. In our series, we've talked about how does bitterness grow? What is forgiveness? How do I forgive last week? And then today we're going to dial in on what does freedom feel like? Freedom, because when we forgive, when we finally forgive, it is freeing. It frees us from the consequences of the sin of our unforgiveness. It frees the other person from the debt they owe us based on what they've done to us. It frees our relationship between us for the responsibility, or excuse me, the possibility of reconciliation. And it frees us from our sin debt to God. I I said that one already, excuse me. We don't need a gospel of sin management. What we need is transformation into Christ-like character. And for many of us, forgiveness may be the start of that. Our forgiving others are asking God to forgive us. C.S. Lewis says, everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until he has something to forgive. That may be true of you even today. That you've got something you've held on to because of the pain that it's caused you and you haven't let go yet. Today could be your day. What does freedom feel like? Well, we're going to take a look at that in a moment, but we want to get to our scripture memory verse of this month, October. Our scripture memory verse of October gives us some pictures of the kind of love that offers forgiveness as we're going to use this for our vision in strategic sermons at the end of the month here. But let's say this together. First John 4, 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who has been, has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Let me pray for us. God our Father, we've read this scripture and it in itself is convicting as it is inspiring. And we pray that would be true of us. We know how you've loved us. We know how others have loved us when they've loved us well. But we also know how others have hurt us or sinned against us in any lurking unforgiveness and bitterness within us. So, Father, we pray that today we would find freedom in the name and by the power of Jesus. Amen. When I was thinking this week how to illustrate this idea of finding freedom, I came back to Joseph. 
And if you see on your sermon outlines there, we've got a variety of texts through Genesis. And if you haven't already, turn in your Bibles to Genesis 41, our first one. But you remember Joseph was the youngest son of Jacob. And he was the youngest and he was loved by his father. And his father, we might say, treated him unfairly, but he gave him this coat of many colors. And then the other brothers were jealous. And to add on top of that, these are things you could go find if you read back in Genesis 37. Joseph has a dream and which he interprets or understands that he's going to be in authority over his brother, even though he's youngest. He tells them about it. They hate him for that dream. He has another dream. He tells them about it. They hate him even worse. So when they're off on a trip being shepherds, they say, hey, let's get rid of this troublemaker. Let's kill him. One of the brothers says, no, we can't kill him. We can't do that to our father. Look, there's some traders from another nation going by. Let's sell him to those guys as a slave. We'll make some money off of it. We'll tell our father he's dead because it's as if he's dead. We'll take his coat of many colors, put some blood of an animal on it, and we'll take him back, and that's the story we'll tell our dad. So Joseph sold into slavery. He ends up in the house of this guy named Potiphar. In Potiphar's house, things seem to be going really well because everything that Joseph does uh, is blessed. And Potiphar is like, wow, look at this guy. Unfortunately, Potiphar's wife takes attention to Joseph in the wrong way. When Joseph will not reciprocate her affections, if I can use that word for the way she was trying to act towards him, she grabs his coat, says ugly things about him, frames him, and he gets thrown into an Egyptian prison. If anybody had some things to forgive... Our dear Joseph, sold into slavery by his brothers who told his dad he was dead, just trying to do his job, trying to be a good moral man, fleeing from his boss's wife who's trying to entice him, and thrown into prison. And he's in prison. Things go well for him in prison, and he's elevated in prison. And even in prison there, everything that Joseph's a part of is blessed, and he's given all these positions, and he interprets dreams for a couple guys and says, hey, here's what's going to happen. And the one says, man, I won't forget you when I get out of here. And he forgot him. Something else Joseph could have to grow into a bitter root of unforgiveness. But then Pharaoh has dreams in Genesis 41. The Egyptian Pharaoh And that's where we pick up our story to learn about the story of Joseph that teaches us the freedom of forgiving others and what it allows us to do. And the first point in your outline is this, that the freedom of forgiving others allows you to live for the future, not be controlled by the past. What we're trying to do here this morning is to give you examples If you haven't yet committed to the idea of, yes, I need to forgive this person, yes, I need to cut off that bitter root, of the good things that are going to happen on the other side of your forgiveness. And this is the first one we see in Joseph's life, and that is living for the future, not to be controlled by the past. When we have been hurt, offended, or sinned against, we are tempted to stay there, to not let go, to hold on to that unforgiveness, to allow it to grow into bitterness and all those ugly things, because it gives us a sense of control, a sense of power. Ha ha, they owe me. Look at what they did to me. I'm going to get them. Yet, 
In the words of Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. It's a trap. It's a prison cell we keep ourselves locked into. When the key to the prison cell is within our reach, right outside, it's called forgiveness. We can grab it off the wall, unlock the door, and step out anytime we want. We don't have in the story of Joseph an example or a scripture where it says, Joseph kneeled down and he prayed and he said, I forgive my brothers. Joseph kneeled down and he prayed and he said, I forgive Potiphar's wife. We don't have that, but we see the evidence of it in his life. He was looking ahead. He was living for the future, not dominated by the past. Though we grieve the past, though we grieve what was done to us to hurt us and sin against us, we can overcome it by the power of Christ within us and by His Holy Spirit. And we move on. In your first two verses there that I reference... Genesis 41, verse 50. Joseph had gotten married to an Egyptian woman and said, priest of On. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble in all my father's household. God made him forget. Verse 52, the second son he named Ephraim. And he said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Joseph was not living in the past, though he had been grievously sinned against and harmed. He was looking to the future and what God was at work doing in him. Joseph, when he is, interprets those dreams for Pharaoh, is put in charge Number two, in command of the entire land of Egypt. I won't go into that uh, as time doesn't allow, but uh, as God providentially put in, and we see in chapter 42, there becomes a famine in the land of Israel. Joseph's brothers come down, and they don't know it's Joseph, and he doesn't tell them yet. At this point, he looks like an Egyptian. He talks like an Egyptian. I'm sure he walked like an Egyptian. Sorry, couldn't resist. And what we see happen next is amazing. And that's the second thing that allow forgiveness is allows us to do in freedom. And we'll put that up on our screen. That the freedom of forgiveness allows us to release the debt of those who hurt you. He released the debt of those that hurt him. We see that evidenced in chapter 45. And I know I'm skipping, but I'm you know, using this more as a topical sermon and using these verses to illustrate our points about forgiveness and how Joseph must have forgiven in order to have this kind of freedom. Forgiveness is freeing. Forgiveness is releasing the other person from the debt they owe us, from what they cost. Remember our definition from Charles Stanley. He says, forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that is a result of a wrong done against you. You're releasing them from the debt owed to you. If we read Genesis chapter 45, verses 1 and 3, it says, Then Joseph could no longer control himself. Before all his attendants, he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard all about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. I is my father still living. But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. They knew he was a powerful man. They knew what they had done to him. But then note what Joseph says, and that's our scripture verse there. Genesis 45, 4 and 5. 
Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Joseph saw that God had a future for him and a hope beyond what had happened to him in the past. We looked at that at our first point a moment ago, but he's released them from the debt. He says to them, don't be angry with yourselves. He's free. Not only is he not angry with them, he's asking them not to be angry with themselves. Thanks be to God for the freedom that comes with forgiveness. Moving on to our third point. Our third point, when we have the freedom that comes from forgiveness, it allows us to see God's plan in your pain. It allows you to see God's plan in your pain. When we're hurting, especially when it's a relationship, especially when it's pain of unforgiveness and repeated sins, offenses, hurt against us, that may go on for years or decades. And we've tried to talk to the person. We've tried to reason with the person. We've tried to distance ourselves from the person. We've tried to put up boundaries. But they keep coming back and they keep hurting us. They keep sinning against us. They keep offending us again and again. We may be tempted to think that God doesn't see. God doesn't know. God doesn't care. God doesn't love us. But I have to remind us, and I'm not trying to be mean here, that our view is limited We can see what's happened in the past in our lives, but we can't see the future. We don't know what God intends to work in us, to work in them, to work in His sovereignty in all creation. But God is working in us exceedingly and abundantly beyond anything we could ask or imagine. He knit us together in our mother's womb and He has for us a future and a hope. He's got plans, so we should trust Him in His sovereignty and His love. We see what Joseph says. That illustrates his plan and his pain. God's plan and your pain in verses chapter 45, verses 7 and 8. When Joseph says, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Joseph saw God's plan for his pain. We don't know at what point when Joseph was in prison, he imagined something like this. How could you imagine becoming number two from being a prisoner in the land to becoming the number two guy in the entire land? We don't know if at what point when his brothers betrayed him, when Potiphar's wife framed him, he could see ahead and imagine What God might do in his life, not only to take care of the nation of Egypt, but to preserve his own family and God's plan through his people. Let's move on to our fourth point. The freedom of forgiveness allows us to respond with blessing rather than cursing. It allows us to respond with blessing rather than cursing as we continue on in chapter 45 here. And we look at what Joseph says to his brothers 
in verse 9. He says, now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you and your children and grandchildren, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have, I will provide for you there. Because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. Not only did Joseph just forgive them, he welcomed them to a place family. Jacob had, what, sons at this point, and their wives, and all their children, and all their flocks. This is a great group of people. But because of Joseph's position, and because God had done that for him, God allowed him to be in a position to bless them. Not only did he refrain from cursing them, but he blessed them, and he was going to set them up in the richest part of the land, the land of Goshen, to take care of their needs. When we forgive and when we trust God to work in our lives and to work in the other person's life and we've freely, totally forgiven, we get above our feelings, we get above our emotions, we get above the circumstances, we get above the hurt of the past. And not unlike Jesus, we rise above all those things in order to bless those that have cursed us. To do good to those that did harm to us. It's an amazing thing that happens. So what you see as you read on in Genesis 45 is that the family does indeed come. And on through chapter 46. And then we get to our fifth point that we need to talk about this morning. Is that the freedom for forgiveness allows you to restore lost relationships. Now, you might see that one is already coming with uh, Joseph and his brothers here as he's revealed himself to them tearfully and he's welcomed their family here. But I love the picture of what happens here. None of us want a lost relationship, at least those we'd like to restore with people we once had a close relationship with family, with friends. And Joseph longed for his father. He longed for his family. He longed for that restoration to know his father was well and he could take care of them. And so when they come, well, I've just got to read it for you there. In Genesis 46, verse 29 and 30. It says, Joseph had his chariot made ready and went to Goshen to meet his father, Israel. Jacob's name was also Israel, you'll remember. As soon as Joseph appeared before him, he threw his arms around his father and wept for a long time. Israel said to Joseph, now I'm ready to die since I've seen for myself that you are still alive. When I talk about the restoration of relationships You might be, if you're hurt, you're living in unforgiveness and you need to let go of that. Thinking about yourself and how it feels to you to restore a relationship with someone who's broken. This is a picture of how it feels to them. Jacob didn't, or Israel didn't sin against Joseph, but the relationship was broken because of what had happened. They were separated for years, for decades, not knowing if his son was alive. And now he says with tears, I know my son is alive. Who do you have in your life that you need to forgive and seek restoration with? That life might be in that relationship again. 
I know you can't do their part, but you can do your part. You can forgive. And there's freedom in forgiveness. Let's move on to our sixth point. The freedom that forgiveness allows you to care for others. Not retaliate against them. Joseph is going to set them up in Goshen. And their family thrives. But his father, Jacob, Israel, is elderly. And you see that as you read in chapter 48 and 49. In 49, there's this wonderful blessing of his sons. And then he dies. His brothers being human think, oh my word, maybe it was just our father that Joseph wanted to restore the relationship with. And they begin to worry that Joseph then is going to take retaliation or vengeance upon them. And so Joseph one more time has to come to his father or his brothers and make sure they understand he's going to care for them, not retaliate against them. He's going to provide for their needs and not just then when his father was alive, but on to the future. And let's get that there in Genesis 50, verse 15 through 20. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us? If he pays back for all the wrongs we've done to him? They're wondering if he's still got the bitter root and he's just been pretending. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before you died. This is what you're to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers their sins and the wrongs they committed against you so badly. We don't know if he really did this or not, but they're saying it. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. Why did he weep? He's thinking, how could they know I didn't already forgive them? It wasn't just going through the motions to be nice to them because my dad was alive. I'm free. And as a free person, I'm going to bless them, not retaliate against them. But Joseph said, verse 18, excuse me, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We're your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. I'm in the place of, am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph saw God's plan in his forgiveness. Joseph saw God's plan in his life. Joseph saw God's plan as bigger than any wrong that had been done to him. Which leads us to our two questions. The first one is, who do I need to forgive? Past sin, present shortcomings are no excuse. We need to embrace grace. Remember what our scripture memory verse was from last month, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander and every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God and Christ forgave you. We have to forgive. Yet sometimes we're not quite ready. We don't feel like it. I would tell you, make an act of your will today, a decision empowered by the Holy Spirit, following the example of Jesus and Joseph, and forgive whatever has been done to you that you might be set free. It might be a while before you feel like you're forgiving them, but forgiveness is not a feeling. 
It is freeing. Make the decision today to forgive. That second question. What would that freedom feel like? We know we should forgive. We know we want to forgive. We know we want to be free. But it's just so hard sometimes. They've been so bad, so long, and so painful. Jesus says that we should love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. The Bible says we should forgive. Jesus says in John 13, 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed by doing them. We learned from my story at the beginning of my sermon today that I don't have the superpower of flying. And I'm too old to do flips on a trampoline as my back showed. I don't have any superpowers. But one power I do have, maybe let's say it this way, one power that's available to me and one power that's available to you is the supernatural Holy Spirit empowered ability to forgive. Let's pray. God, we're not much. And frankly, when we're honest, we can be pretty ugly and sinful ourselves. Pretty weak. But we know, God, that you are greater than our weakness. As a matter of fact, it's in our weakness that you're made strong. And so, God, we come before you today if we're still dealing with any unforgiveness any bitterness and all the ugly things that come from that. And we ask, in the name of Jesus, would you allow us to choose today to forgive once and for all whatever it is that has been done to us, no matter how often, no matter how bad, that we would forgive. We thank you, God, for your power by the Holy Spirit that is setting people free in this place and online, even at this very moment. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.